Hello, and welcome to the post-first wave of free agency Jaguar Report podcast. After weeks, maybe even months of speculation and, you know, everybody getting excited for all of the league's biggest free agents to flock to Jacksonville, the Jaguars had a first week of free agency. <laughs> That's, that is, you know, the, the best way to put it, uh, you know, to really sum up how their free agency went in terms of how people kind of expected that to go, you know, not to say that's a negative, but they had an eventful first week. I am your host, John Shipley, joined by my co-host, Gus Logue. Gus, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, John. Yeah, the Jags had kind of one splash signing in Shaquille Griffin from the uh, Seahawks, and everything other than that kind of fell into Trent Balky's favorite word, value. And so if the Jaguars do end up signing any more players in the next few waves of free agency or whatever before the draft that all likely stay with that trend as yeah. I mean not all but pretty much all of the big name free agents have been signed so yeah no, pretty I, much the list here absolutely and, and it's it's honestly funny because I feel like if you look at what Meyer and Balky said before free agency began they told us what they were going to do, you know, and we were all right. still super surprised by it. me myself, you know, because Balky has repeatedly said, you know, he did say they were going to spin, you know, to the cap or, you know, what whatever his exact words were, but he also mentioned value a ton. And then Meyer mentioned how he thought the best for agency class would be coming from the teams that like dig the deepest. And, you know, Jaguars signed 12 guys, including a couple guys that had fans kind of, you know, hitting the, search engines and trying to figure out exactly who was added. So, you know, they definitely did do that deep dive and they definitely tried to add value, you know, I mean, their biggest signing uh, was Shaquille Griffin, like you said, the biggest splash. And I mean, just relatively, you know, he was one of the highest paid defensive backs in free agency this off season, but relatively, if he's like the biggest addition your team made and no other addition really comes close, then, I mean, you know, you, you spent in free agency, but you didn't really, you know, go crazy with your money. Yeah, 100%. And the other thing is Urban said in a presser that he's going to address the defense from the front to the back and kind of get a bunch of defensive linemen. And that's what he did. They got five defensive linemen uh, this offseason, including retaining Dwayne Smoot, who is set to be a free agent. And so, I mean, they said it loud and clear and they did what they said. And so it's possible that they missed out on a couple of bigger names just because there's some rumors about Curtis Samuel and John Johnson III and whoever else that maybe ended up going with it going in a different direction even though the uh jaguars were suiting them but and hunter henry too was another name and from yeah. an espn article this morning but it is what yeah. it is yeah to your point uh this morning you know jeremy fowler did an uh espn article with uh, espn you know plus where you know they go through what the insiders and sources are saying about each team and through free agency and he had a nugget in there saying how there was a lot of buzz about Hunter Henry to the Jaguars early in the tampering period. So, you know, I mean, maybe the Jaguars tried to get, you know, that big name at that end, but it sure seems like, you know, they kind of set a hard price that, okay, we're not going to go over this price and, you know, we're not going to necessarily overpay because I, I, I think even after free agency, you know, Meyer put it well where he said eventually they're going to be in a spot where they can spend, you know, 20 something million dollars in one year on, on one player but he doesn't think they're in that position right now. And that, and that makes sense to me. You know, he kind of wants to rebuild the roster from the ground up and then fill in those big missing pieces as he goes, which in hindsight, it, it makes sense. Right. Honestly, I think a question that'll be interesting to ask, I don't know if you can really ask it now, but like should the Jaguars have 
kind of made offers that they couldn't refuse to free agents like Samuel and Johnson and Henry and whoever else, only because right now the Jaguars are kind of competing against two or three other teams that have a lot of cap space. But in two years when the cap explodes because of the TV contracts, like they're going to be competing against a whole lot of, a whole lot more teams. And so they kind of had, had the opportunity to make a lot of splash signings and that net wasn't necessarily the correct move. I mean, the Patriots just gave Nelson Aguilar $11 million a year. And so they shouldn't necessarily spend because they can, but I think it's also fair to wonder not that the whole value thing and building depth and kind of building slowly is a smart approach, but they're not really going to have the same power that they have now that they will in two years. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, they're eventually, you know, like you said, I mean, with cap space, the chickens always come home to roost and eventually, you know, I know it's way down the road, five, six years, but if Trevor Lawrence is like half the quarterback that people expect him to be, he's going to be commanding a sizable contract in several years. So uh, you do kind of have to strike while the iron is hot, but uh, it it seems to me like uh, Meyer kind of trusted Bulky uh, a lot and his assistants relationships a lot with uh, this agency period, which, you know, maybe makes sense to a degree just because, I mean, this was so, so new for Meyer that, recruiting and free agency are so different because I mean while you may be throwing money at people (laughs) in in either aspect you know like recruiting it's a lot more about winning people over and making a sales pitch to them where in free agency it's you know okay who can make me a better deal you know much more than it is like okay what coach do would I like to play for more so it was probably definitely an adjustment for Meyer and uh, he even had some comments you know about how the free agency process how he thought it was uh how he he doesn't know who came up with that rule of signing people that you haven't met stuff like that which uh you know it's understandable coming from a guy with his background but uh in, in hindsight maybe we should have expected them to kind of go the value route like they did 100 but i mean speaking of quarterbacks do you really think the jaguars are gonna draft trevor lawrence now as News is coming in that they're signing Niners quarterback C.J. Bethard. So maybe it's not a position of need after all. Yeah, Let's no. Say, uh, uh, go, go ahead and change your mock draft. <laughs> Kyle Pitts, number one overall. You know, uh, <laughs> just 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 like uh, the, the Twitterverse has been clamoring for. You know, I, I, I've seen a tweet that said, should they take Kyle Pitts at one and then trade up for a different quarterback? So, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the ideas are out there. Uh, Kyle Pitts has slow feet, according to Twitter sources. So Heavy we'll feet. see. But no, we we joke. Um, the Jaguars are signing CJ Bethard, according to a report um, in the last 30 minutes here on Wednesday afternoon. Um, and so even though Meyer said, well, first of all, Trevor Lawrence is still going to be the first pick. But second of so. all, <laughs> it's just a hunch. But on the other hand, He's uh, Meyer said in his latest presser that the team is not currently taking calls about backup Gardner Minshew. And so it'll be interesting to see if that kind of changes now that they have their veteran backup under their belt. Yeah, no, I, I, part of me kind of feels like Bethard and it, it was Ian Rappaport who reported that he was uh, reportedly expected to sign with them. I can't feel like, his addition spells more bad news for Jake Luden than it does for Minshew. Hmm. 
I like Jake Luton. I'll, I'll say it. That, that might be my hottest take that I'll say today. Would you keep but, Jake Luton over Minshew? Um, if I'm getting nothing in return for like drop, if I'm have to drop, yeah, if you have Minshew, to cut Minshew, if you have to cut, then no, fine, okay. I'll keep Minshew. Okay. He, can, he can scrape his way to a couple wins. Ah, you like but, so you like so you like Jake Luton, but you don't like him anymore. I like, I like Jake Luton as quarterback three. Yeah. Okay. I might, so. I might make I might like Luton more as quarterback three. Now nah, even that's too hot of a take. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see with Luton though. I mean, yeah, chances are he's going to end up on the practice squad. Yeah, game. no, but I, I think Bethard's definitely, you know, a veteran arm to bring the camp, you know, just, uh, you know, and the Alex Smith connection, that's all it's been, you know, it's been connecting dots just because of him and Urban. There's never been anything out there to say, you know, either side has definite interest in the other. So Bethard would at least be a veteran arm to bring in the camp. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it's important one, one way or another to make sure that the most experienced guy in training camp isn't a third-year quarterback you know, in Gardner Minshew. Right. Even though technically, I, I think Minshew has more NFL starts than Beathard. I think it's like 20 to 12 or something like that. And Beathard has like a two and 10 record. <laughs> That's true. Well, hopefully Beathard can bring over some Shanahan knowledge too, because that'd be pretty, pretty nice. But yep. Yep. yeah, backup back quarterback was definitely one of the kind of smaller positions that still needed to be filled before the draft. And so now, yeah, I, I mean, that, and th- this gives them flexibility. You know, they don't they, they don't have to spend like a late round draft pick on a quarterback or anything like that. Right, hundred percent. And so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't uh, add any anyone else from now into the draft. I think it'd be smart to add a nickel just because Sidney Jones might get work there. Um, but I just think the nickel market is undervalued in general, and there's still some solid players out there. And so, and then especially if Joe Cullen wants to run as much dime as the Ravens have been in the past couple of years, then they're going to need to add more defensive backs anyway. And so I think taking a look at the nickels that are still available would make sense. But I mean, there's certainly other positions too that they can look at. But like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if now that Beth Hart, uh, assuming he does end up fit, signing officially, is on the roster, that they don't sign another person. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, I, I I keep feeling like I'm, I'm going to have an article on on tomorrow actually on a couple second wave of agency guys who I think makes sense. I'm not going to give all of them now, but uh, the one that I keep coming back around to, why isn't Justin Houston like the perfect signing for them? You know, he he has experience with Bob Sutton. He has experience in a three four. Uh, he's still productive in, in recent years. Uh, he's a veteran who can help out the young guys. He was a team captain with the Colts. Uh, th- they should know him well from, you know, how productive he was against the Jaguars in recent years. I just feel like he'd be the perfect second-wave guy to bring in. I think that guy might be Ward, honestly, the guy they signed from the Ravens to bring with Joe Cullen, just because yeah. he's played more outside linebacker than he has played, like, defensive end in the past two years and he's started uh double digit games for the Ravens each of the past two years that he's been with them and he's only played about like 30 percent of defensive snaps I believe but I mean I think that adding like a veteran pass rusher on the outside to kind of be able to take some snaps away from Caleb on chase on and like give Josh Allen rest too makes a lot of sense but I also wouldn't be surprised if they believe they already addressed that position with Ward. That's understandable. And and I, I guess really my thinking is 
you know, you don't want to take snaps away from Allen and Chase on, but you're also one injury away from where you were at last season where, you know, Chase on turned it up at the end of last season, but who was complimenting him on third down? You know, it was, it was a one man show, you know, they had right. zero presence presence off the edge without Josh Allen because it was just chase on. So I, I, I definitely could see that because I mean, Ward, you, you look at him, his role in Baltimore, like you said, and you watch him and he definitely is more of a guy who's going to be on the edge than, you know, one of the several interior defensive linemen they added. Right. And also, I mean, I'm a fan of Joe Giles Harris. And so not that he should be playing north of 50% of snaps per se, but I'd like to see him get at least some opportunity. And so yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, and it's certainly possible that they add Justin Houston, which even if they do think the Roy, that role is filled kind of, he's still a really good player and would help the team. So it's not really anything that should be ruled out. And of course they can add someone in the draft too. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they add someone to kind of like that outside linebacker slash edge position. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I think they might be more comfortable than like what the public may think um, their comfort level with that position. And they might be going into the season with who they have now. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, that's perfectly understandable. And honestly, it's probably likely like just just looking at how they kind of, uh, prioritize you know their moves this offseason that, that definitely seems like it's more likely than not but uh you, w- with that said uh i guess i have the list of 12 players that they added 11 through free agency one through trade uh six of these 12 players their staff had connection with in one way or another but 12 new 12 new jaguars basically a dozen new players and it it was a big haul. You know, they didn't throw a ton of money at any one player outside of Shaquille Griffin, but they still spent a considerable amount because they really look to, at least in my eyes, kind of rebuild depth on both sides of the ball. Right. They ranked top five in both number of players added and amount of money spent in free agency this season. And so Did, I, I know the Texans added more players. Did anybody else add more players? Uh, the Texans and the Patriots. Oh, dang. Okay. That, but that, makes that, sense. That, that list also includes re-signing, I'm pretty sure, like un, unrestricted free agents. Yeah, uh, just uh, uh, just for the record, not related. I would hate covering this Texans team. I mean, <laughs> all, all the all those transactions, I would get completely lost. I mean, <laughs> I saw one that beat writers were like report they signed Joe Thomas, but not that Joe Thomas. <laughs> right. Like, that 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 would just confuse me. All right. Well, okay. We'll go ahead and start off. Uh, you know, we have this list. Go ahead and saw off with one of the first guys that they announced signed, a wide receiver slash return man, Jamal Agnew. Uh, Gus, you have his contract numbers, but they uh, signed him after a few years with the Detroit Lions. Former fifth-round pick who actually was a converted cornerback to wide receiver last year. Uh, you know, Daryl Bevel used him as kind of a gadget player at times on the offense, but he really didn't play that much offense. He's much more of a return man. Uh, five career return skills and was an all pro as a return man as a rookie in 2017. Uh, Gus, what, what were your thoughts on this edition? Right. Well, I thought it was just interesting that he's one of four additions that signed for a contract length of three or four, three or more years. And so, I mean, I think every NFL team kind of has a 2023 20, offseason circled as like when it's going to explode, obviously, because of the TV contracts and when they can start kind of splurging even more money. And so I think the Jaguars had that in mind as well, because as I said, just four players 
are under contract for the new players are under contract for three or, or four years. And it's likely, if not possible, or likely, if not probable, that a lot of the players aren't going to see the end of their current contracts just because they might get cut or restructured or extended just because that's kind of where the NFL is at with contracts today. Um, and so value signings and gearing up for the 2023 offseason was kind of apparent. But on top of that, I think in terms mm-hmm. of Agnew as well, one thing that Urban emphasized was addressing the defensive line. But on top of that, he also addressed special teams. And that's been kind of a, a, a big unit for him throughout his coaching career. And so I thought with the additions of Agnew, but then also um, Rudy Ford from the Lions, yeah. both of those guys are big special teams guys. And one, both two of the first people that Urban side. So I thought that yeah. was. I, I, I don't think it was any surprise to see, uh, you know, Agnew kind of checked all the boxes. You know, one, he has the bevel connection. Two, he's a special team, so a stud. Uh, you know, it, it first got reported as a three-year, $21 million contract. And uh, th- for one, going by total contract value is a bit silly just because how many guys actually finish out that contract. So going by, you know, annual value is, is a bit weird to begin with. But it, it turns out uh, Agnew's contract wasn't anywhere near that, you know, three-year, $21 million type deal, you know. So it – when you look at what he really got, it was significantly better value than uh, I think a lot of people thought. Uh, it, better value than what people thought. I'm still not sure how good of a value it is for a special like special team guy with such a limited role in offense, just because what whatever value he brings to your offense is completely hypothetical right now, you know, but I mean, he, he's getting paid right now more than guys like LaVisca Chenault and DJ Chark. And I know they're on rookie contracts, but, I mean, they gave him a kind of a significant investment just considering how small his role is going to be or likely should be. Yeah, his cap is going to be four point – it's going to be an average of $4.75 million for the next three years, which, as you said, is higher than some other guys on the roster. And yeah, so- that's a, a spot trick has him with a three-year – $14.25 million deal with just $4 million guaranteed. So, you know, like like I said, nothing is ever going to break a team. Uh, they, they, they actually have a pretty easy out after the first year in the contract. But like I said, it was a bit surprising at first to see those numbers. But he does give them, you know, speed. Uh, you know, Meyer, if there's two things he value, it's one, uh, special team stars, and two, it's uh, speed on the football field, and Agnew gives them both of that. So I, I think Hassani makes sense from a fit perspective, but you do look at the money and you kind of wonder, okay, are you are, are you, for for a team that was looking like for value deals, was this really a good value? But at, at the end of the day, this isn't a contract that's going to like break a team. Right. I mean, the thing with the entire kind of strategy overall, including but not just limited to Agnew, is that none of these contracts except for maybe Griffin is going to end up being a mistake just because, I mean, if um, Agnew ends up being just somehow a complete bust and they have to um, just end up paying him some dead cap, then it's not going to amount to a significant number. So they've certainly given themselves flexibility, the Jaguars. If, If they get out of that deal this year, they pay him roughly $5 million you know, in like his, basically his guarantees and his base salary. And they, they take a cap, a dead cap hit of less than 2.5 million and then get out of that contract. And 
and uh, they would save four point five million. So if if he doesn't like turn it up this year on special teams, they could get out of that deal pretty easily. Right. So it's not ideal to lose money, obviously, but it's not close to the end of the world, and it's kind of similar to all the other contracts as well. It it, it was hilarious to see some of the reactions. That I mean, good good <laughs> goodness gracious, like. I it, like you know we're over here talking about how yeah it's probably not that great of a value for signing even though he fits but I mean we have people you know g- calling it disaster mode I, I don't mean like Jaguars fans I mean like people nationally and other people in the football industry and it, it is it is not that serious of a signing but uh, it, it, at the end of the day you know understandable why they made it but we'll see if the value works out and I think we'll probably know by the end of this season if this is a contract they'll hold on to or not definitely for sure okay. Next one, uh, reuniting with an old friend in Tyson Alualu. Uh, you know, the Jaguars brought in the 12th-year veteran defensive tackle on a – what was it a two-year contract, I believe, Gus? I thought it was a one-year con- a one-year contract. Okay, Are you so- saying it's a two-year contract with the Jaguars? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, they brought in Alualu on, you know, a uh, shorter two-year, $6 million deal with uh, just about $4 million in guarantees. I thought this was one of the better moves. I, 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 like you're looking both in terms of fit and uh, added veteran presence and somebody who knows the coaching staff because, you know, he, he was coached by Tosh uh, Lupoy all the way, you know, back when he was a pro- prospect at Cal. He was coached by Joe Colon and his first several years in the NFL. So they know what they're getting out of him. And then, I mean, his – probably his two best years in the NFL have been the last two years. So he's a guy that can still go. So I personally thought this was one of the best signings because he gives you a veteran voice for one and two, a guy who can still play, who can kind of fill in at multiple positions. Right. He was especially good last year for the Steelers and he spent the past four years up in Pittsburgh, but he's the oldest signing for the Jaguars. He's 33, but as you said, great veteran presence, he fits the versatility that the Jaguars were looking for and added depth on defensive line. So it makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, and he's a guy who, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to start. Uh, he can rotate at, you know, defensive end. He can even rotate at nose tackle. He can rotate in on sub packages. He, he did it all for Pittsburgh. You know, they, they moved him to nose tackle last year after Javon Hargrave left for Philadelphia in free agency. And he did that after playing defensive end and backing up Stephon Tuitt for several years. And he excelled at nose tackle. So he, he's the guy who really, you know, gives them a movable chess piece on the field. And then I don't think people should uh, discount at all the kind of veteran presence and the leadership he would bring. You know, you, you talk about like in terms of a signing that can, you know, help instill a new culture. And he's probably the definition of that. Right. Definitely one of, if not the best value signing that the Jaguars made so far. I, I I was a bit surprised, like, the Steelers, they couldn't keep him for that price? Yeah, it seemed like they were letting a lot of people go. I'm not – just they have, they got to keep Big Ben just because he's the heart and soul of that team, I guess. I don't know. They let Mike Mike Hilton go. I think they just released Cameron's yeah, son. Steven Nelson, too. Yeah. And so – or yeah, Steven Nelson is who I meant. No, but... I think Cameron Sutton did, too, honestly. I want to see Steven Nelson for sure. But so prioritizing Juju and Big Ben is kind of an interesting strategy. But uh, okay, they actually resigned Cameron Sutton. Well, that's why this isn't a Steeler Report podcast. 
<laughs> there you go. Yeah, no. And uh, uh, Mike Hill was actually one of the players I was surprised the Jaguars didn't sign. Like, it, it, if there were any two players I was surprised they didn't sign, it's probably Hunter Henry and Mike Hilton, just because I thought Mike Hilton seemed like such a perfect fit for them. Like, even with the addition of Shaquille Griffin, I feel like they could have paid a nickel corner. And he didn't exactly get a giant deal from the Bengals. Right. I think he got like roughly six um, annually, but that might be just looking at um, potential money and not just guaranteed money. Yeah, but, absolutely. And like well, Tyson, he would have been kind of a return to Jacksonville for him just because he was ultimately, or he was added to the practice squad as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, no, they, I mean, they, they signed him uh, right after the draft. He was one of the first ads in 2016. Want to make your own podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then lets you distribute it everywhere and anywhere, and even earn money right from it. And it's all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here is how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, no matter where you're at, you can start creating today. Right, so yeah, so last, yep. Uh, well, next name on the list, uh, one of my favorite. Like I, I watched all twelve of these guys on tape. Probably my favorite guy to watch. Uh, nose tackle Malcolm Brown. They traded the two hundred and twenty ninth overall pick, first pick of the seventh round, to the Saints for him, and ended up giving him a new two year contract, uh, eleven million with I believe it was around eight million guaranteed, or perhaps just below that. I. I think, you know, for the value that you're getting for him, because you have to factor in both giving up the seventh round pick and giving him that new deal. It's not a, a deal that, you know, it's going to break you. He's, I think, not even top 35 in terms of average annual value among defensive tackles. And you get a guy who is a upper echelon run defender. I mean, just compared to other nose tackles in the NFL, he is probably one of the best pure run defending nose tackles in the NFL. And he is a major reason why both the Patriots and Saints had great run defenses while he was with them. You know, he had that absolutely dominant showing in the Super Bowl against the Rams with the Patriots a few years ago. And he's been just as good with the Saints the last two years. And if the Saints weren't, you know, in cap hell, they probably uh, would have tried to keep him. But, you know, he, he he noted in his press conference that he knew he was kind of gone either way. But uh, And by bringing him in, this is another guy they have connections with because he's a guy who was recruited and coached by Charlie Strong at Texas. Right. I think this is the smartest single move that Jaguars made in the offseason just because they were able to fill a glaring need at nose tackle and just run defense in general by not allocating a lot of resources to it and pulling off kind of a low-risk, high-reward trade. And so it's something – I said smart, something that, like, the smartest organizations in football would probably do, like – it just seems like a move the Patriots or the Ravens um, would make. And so it's it's something I wouldn't have thought the Jaguars would do in the past however many years. And so for them to, able yeah. to make a move like this, I think, is really encouraging. I mean, flipping those small picks that don't, you know, really aren't really consequential for starting caliber veterans – that's what the good teams do, you know, and right. in my opinion, that's why you stockpile picks. I think it's so much more worthwhile to stockpile picks and use them that way than it is to do what the Jaguars did last year and collect 12 picks and sit on them and then draft, you know, draft 
Kylo Davis, uh, Jake Luton, Chris Claybrooks, etc. Yeah, it's highway robbery to be able to get veterans for unproven draft picks for sure. Yeah, so. no, and, and I mean this this like you said was one of the first times that they kind of operated like one of the smarter teams in the league in recent years because I mean. We we saw the Ravens do this to the Jaguars last year when they traded a fifth for you know Calais Campbell, and the Browns trading what was it a third for Ronnie Harrison? I think it was a fourth, a fourth there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. nice to be on the other side of the spectrum for sure. Yeah, no, that definitely is. I so I'm, I'm with you. I thought that was a smart move. Uh, you, you can go ahead and pencil him in as a day one starter at nose tackle. Uh, you, you know he's not going to give you uh, really anything in terms of pass rush. I think. He has a he's been in the league since you know 2015, so he has seven seasons, and I think he has 11 and a half career sacks. So he's not going to give you you know anything significant in in terms of impacting plays on third down, but just in terms of a guy to plug in the middle, he's uh, kind of an ideal fit. And I, I know a lot of you know uh, Devon Hamilton's a fan favorite, and you know he had a really strong end to his rookie season up until he got injured. But having an established veteran in front of Hamilton and having giving Hamilton the ability to kind of rotate in, uh, you know, that I think that's kind of ideal because then by the time Brown's contract is up, Hamilton's a fourth year guy and kind of step right into that role. Right. And now, I mean, the position is just set now with Hamilton being able to kind of rotate and then Brown being the starter at nose tackle. And so it wouldn't be a shock to see the Jags uh, draft or draft a player on the defensive line, but it would must much more likely be defensive tackle or end or edge. Yeah, I, I, I think those two guys and then, you know, add in Alalu's ability to play nose and they still have Doug Costin on the roster who's a strong run defender. Right. I, I think you can eliminate nose tackle from, you know, anything that they're going to do draft-wise. So I'm with you. Uh, n- next guy, uh, Philip Dorsett, you know, seven-tier receiver, another former first-round pick. Uh, you know, former Miami standout who was, you know, kind of famously drafted by the Colts in the first round, even though nobody thought they needed a receiver. Uh, you know, he's known for kind of his speed element. You know, he's known for stretching the field. Uh, he, he didn't do that much with the Colts, but he, he actually had some semi-productive seasons as, you know, a kind of death piece in the Patriots offense. So, uh, you know, they brought him on a short-term deal, but he's really like the only – I, I guess, you know, if you count Agnew, again, though, his value on offense is completely hypothetical if you want to count him. But as of right now, Dorsett's the only receiver they added this offseason who's kind of that speed element that Meyer talked about. Right. He missed all of last season due to a foot injury after he signed with the Seahawks. But I actually kind of thought he was a decent player for the Patriots the past three years before that. But especially in 2019, I thought he was a decent contributor as long as you kind of rely on him as a wide receiver three or four. And so when you're top guys, um, but his contract hasn't actually been finalized yet. He's, he has agreed to terms, but he's the one player the Jaguars have signed where just like none of the details have been out. I don't even know if the length of the contract has been determined. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see what the details are for that. But I think it's a pretty solid signing, honestly, especially if he's able to add some juice and special teams my, my thing is just you're, you're signing a speed receiver is coming off a of foot injury i just <laughs> I, I like 
I, I wrote when I graded the, I, I put out an article on grading the Carlos Hyde signing that, you know, we'll get to. And I, I wrote in it that, you know, even looking at it from the most negative and pessimistic point of view, I don't think you can give deaf signings like that, like an F grade or anything, just because they're so inconsequential. You know, it's not like, right. it's not like signing, like, you know, a mid-tier free agent to, it's not, but like, I would have given, if the Jaguars gave Trey Hendrickson the deal the Bengals got, I would have given that an F. Like that, that is just, absolutely horrific in my eyes but you know signing guys like Dorsett signing high I don't think you can ever look at them that negatively but to me just signing a, a, a speedster with limited production coming off a foot injury that's just a bit questionable to me especially considering how many kind of options there were at receiver I feel like you know they were definitely looking for value but I also think you know you can get a speed receiver in the draft you can kind of phase out any hypothetical value Dorsett would have that's fair. Yeah, I, I I don't love the signing, but I don't think it's as bad as people may think. But I mean, it, bad as I may it. think. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've, <laughs> that wasn't what I meant. I've just, I've seen some <laughs> no, other people no. think it was uh, not great either. But I mean, it'll kind of depend on the contract details, which likely won't be that big of a contract. I'd be shocked if it was anything. Right. Okay, uh, next one, Rudy Ford, who you mistakenly called a Detroit Lions safety earlier, but I went ahead and let it slide. Uh, Rudy Ford, uh, fifth-year safety uh, from Philadelphia, was drafted by the Cardinals on day three a few years ago. Uh, former teammate of Daniel Thomas. He said that him and Thomas were actually close. Uh, he had 10 special teams tackles, and I think it was like eight or nine games last season with the Eagles. So a special team stud who excels as a gunner on, you know, uh, punt teams. Uh, they, they gave him, I believe it was a two-year deal, so no, nothing significant in terms of money. And I, I, I kind of doubt he has a major role on defense other than, you know, kind of just serving as, you know, one of the top backups at safety but I, I think this just like the Agnew signing just kind of shows how serious Meyer is about uh improving special teams definitely um I mean I'm looking forward to the punt coverage next year just because it'll be a disappointment whenever there's not points on the board after a drive obviously but I mean Logan Cook, Cook quietly had one of the best seasons of any punter last season in Chris Claybrooks I think down to third most punts in the league despite missing a handful of games due to injury and so now now it's a dangerous trio with uh, uh cook and clay brooks and now ford as so ford with and clay brooks as the two gunners i think it was pretty solid and could be could be fun and i mean good point and hey congrats to speaking of it congrats to logan cook for you know securing uh that con- the other day, you know, he is the first member of that draft class to get an extension, uh, shockingly, before Taven Bryan. But, uh, you know, it was, I, I thought, you know, a smart move by the Jaguars to lock up Cook just because I think he's, you know, one of the better punters in the NFL. I mean, it, he's been spectacular the last two seasons alone. So, but uh, I I think those moves uh, all together, you know, Agnew, Ford, uh, extending Cook, I think those all kind of show the priority that they're putting on special teams. Definitely. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, next, next signing, uh, the big signing, the splash signing and the signing that convinced oh so many Jaguars fans to step away from that ledge on Twitter. Uh, Shaquille Griffin, uh, fifth year cornerback, former third round pick out of UCF, not central Florida. Yes, it matters. I promise. Uh, you know, uh, he, 
he started a lot of games for the Seahawks over the last four years. Uh, you know, he kind of stepped right into the Legion of Boom and started at, uh, as a rookie. A uh, lot of ball production the last two years, especially. He's earned a Pro Bowl trip. Uh, he he was by far their biggest addition this offseason, you know, in terms of their financial commitment to him. And you can go ahead and lock him in as, you know, day one starter opposite CJ Henderson. Right. And he's so exciting, not just because he's the biggest signing that the Jaguars made in the offseason, but his uh, scheme fit is just chef's kiss. Because assuming that the Jaguars go to a man press heavy scheme like the Ravens have been implementing the past few years, then it's going to be perfect for him just because he seems like he would fit that much better in terms of both the numbers and the tape than when he was in a cover three scheme in Seattle for the past few years. And so him and CJ is a really fun pairing that they both have a versatility to play inside, but they're going to be the two outside starting corners for sure. And so, yeah, it's, it's two tall, long guys who could run, you know I mean? It, 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 it gives you a lot of, you know, like you said, versatility and the fact that uh, they, they can run with the smaller receivers, but they can also kind of match up physically with the bigger guys. Right. Especially Shaquille, just because I'd feel a lot more comfortable with him being on DK Metcalf than CJ Henderson, just because I don't think Henderson gets bullied per se by the bigger receivers, but I think he is a much better fit versus like if he was getting, going on t- Tyler Lockett, if we're sticking with the, yeah, Seattle comps. Understandable. And uh, Griffin signed a three-year, $40 million contract with $29 million in guarantees. Uh, like I said, the biggest deal the Jaguars gave out. But in terms of, you know, I I, I know I, I said how stupid average annual value is, but I'm going to use it here. I don't care about <laughs> democracy. Uh, he, he comes in at 11th among cornerbacks. So, I mean, yeah, it's a sizable contract, but they're also – they're not – I mean, they're paying him like a – great cornerback but not like an elite one does that make sense yeah and i think that's fair honestly just because i think he has the potential to be great but yeah and, and he he does and uh, i i think it's important to note that you said potential because it is a bit of a projection because he was a good corner in seattle with moments of great and now they're kind of you know hoping in a new scheme with their coaching he can take that next step and uh, I, I i thought you know like you said it was a good move solely because it's a great fit, uh, you know, in terms of his skill set with what the scheme is kind of expected to be. Uh, he, he's a young guy, and he's a guy who has already, you know, it, it's not like you're projecting a backup into a starter world, you know. He's, he's been in, you know, he's been in a lot of games, and he's played a lot of playoff games for the Seahawks. So he's an experienced guy, and uh, e- even though this is the riskiest of their signings, this was, I thought, one of their better ones. I, yeah, I definitely agree. And also a necessary one, just because if yeah. the Jaguars sign zero players with a average salary of nine million or less a year, then that could have, I don't know, that certainly would have been underwhelming. Yeah, and, and it gives them a lot of flexibility in the draft because I, I I think that it just eliminates kind of the need to take a cornerback, you know, with one of those first first uh, two to three picks. Yeah, we'll see. I think. I mean, as I said, I think a nickel still could be or should be added, but just defensive back in general, that could be safety. And so, yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, moving on to the next one. Uh, running back Carlos Hyde, you know, uh, he actually, it, it's funny because he's kind of has three different reunions 
Uh, you know, he played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. He was drafted by Trent Baalke in San Francisco in the second round, and he played for the Jaguars in 2018. So, you know, he's connecting all the boxes here in terms of connections. Uh, to me, he seems like just veteran death behind James Robinson. Uh, I, I think he's likely going to open the season as a third running back because I really do think that they're going to draft a running back, you know, at least at, at least in the third round, if not earlier to, earlier than that. It's just kind of my gut feel with how it seems like they want to add explosion to the offense. My only critique of the signing, because like I said, it's not significant enough. It's two years for, I believe, five million. It's not significant enough to for anybody to freak out about. My only critique with it is I feel like they could have waited a few more days on the running back market because they signed Hyde on the first day of the tampering period. And then on Friday, Philip Lindsay signs for less guaranteed money with a worse team in Houston. Right. No, that's fair. But I mean, I definitely agree with both both takes, but especially the fact that I don't think it changes any draft plans that the Jaguars have at that position. I guess it changes who's going to make the roster between like um, the previous draft picks. I mean, Darai Ogunbowale is an unrestricted free agent, but Raquel Armstead and uh, Davina Zigbo, we'll see what happens with them in terms of the future roster spots. But yeah, I think James Robinson, uh, here you go. Are we, are we ready for a baseball reference, Sean? You have to let me know if I can nail it since you're yep. a residence baseball guy. <laughs> uh, Robinson is like Jeter because he hits a lot of singles and doubles and is really good at getting on base slash kind of moving the sticks. But the Jaguars need a guy that can hit triples and home runs and kind of add more ex- explosiveness, which is likely what they're going to address in the draft. And that's not what Carlos Hyde is. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I think if you just look at the running backs that are currently on Jaguars, the Jaguars roster, it's, you know, a 22-year-old, three 24-year-olds, and a 26-year-old. You know, I mean, nobody with the experience and kind of uh, the seasoning of Hyde. So I, I, I think that's all the signing really is, is get an older guy in the running back room since it's such a young room. And, you know, if Robinson ever goes down during the season like he did at the end of last year, you have a guy who's kind of a similar style. You, you can kind of plug into his role in the offense. And he's also a guy who knows Myers' vision and his culture. So he's probably going to be leaned upon, you know, in that way. Definitely. Yeah. So, I, I like I said, in, in terms of how he fits, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Really, my biggest critique is I don't know why that's a signing you make on the first day of the tampering period when – I, I just I can't assume he had, there's any like strong market there. And, you know, I, I just you could have played the running back market better in my eyes. You're saying there wasn't a strong market for 31 year old Carlos Hyde. Yeah, bold. I know. <laughs> bold. I know. All right. Uh, n- next up, uh, actually, their second biggest signing just money wise uh, this offseason safety Ray Sean Jenkins uh, from the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Gus, what was kind of your uh, you know takeaway from them adding him? Uh, versatility. I mean, as we've kind of said, there's been a lot of key words that the Jaguars staff have used. And so value from Bakke and then special teams and defensive line contributions and free agency from um, Urban. And so I think versatility is a big one that Joe Colon used. And I would expect Rayshon Jenkins to kind of line up all over the field and the primarily play strong safety, I suppose, which is what he's been playing for the Chargers the last two years. But, I mean, 
going after value and vers- versatile players is kind of their motto this season or this off season. And that's yeah, kind of what no. they got in Jenkins. Yeah, no, he, he spent most of his time, uh, you know, last year in the box. I, you know, it was over 50% of his snaps. And funny enough, he did it in Gus Bradley's <laughs> defense in Los Angeles. And, and uh, he's an interesting guy because he has experience, you know, at free safety, at strong safety. Uh, he has started games, you know, kind of in the nickel. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that Colin's going to use a lot in the box. Uh, you know, I think Baltimore did a lot with safeties on passing downs was, you know, bring an extra safety onto the field and kind of put them, you know, kind of at that linebacker spot. And especially with right. mobile quarterbacks, I feel like that could be really advantageous to do. So I, I think they needed to upgrade the safety depth chart one way or another. You know, they had one of the worst safety rooms in the NFL entering the offseason, even with, you know, two serviceable players and Jared Wilson and Daniel Thomas. Uh, so he – I mean, he isn't a major, like, like, like franchise changing upgrade, but he does give them better safety depth and, you know, hopefully uh, helps them kind of piece over this transition in the secondary. Uh, you know, it's, there's obviously going to be some red flags with it because you're paying a average starter, um, you know, more than average starter money, but uh, he's also a younger guy who they can kind of project maybe could improve in the scheme. Uh, he signed a four year, $35 million contract with $16 million in guarantees. So, yeah, he signed uh, the second biggest deal right after Griffin. Right. I almost wondered just because it seemed like the Jaguars were kind of going after safeties with maybe John Johnson third and another person. So I wonder if they overreacted a little bit and had to make sure they got one of their guys after other people had already gone off the market. But, I mean, again, it's oh, – might be a slight overpay for an average safety, but considering he's 26 with potential to get better in the system and it's not an absurd amount of money that can't be fixed, then it's still not a bad signing. And I don't think it takes away from them drafting a safety either. You know, like Mel Kuyper had them taking Trayvon Morag out of TCU with the 25th overall pick. And he, to me, it's him and Rondell Moore are the two people I keep coming back to for who, who they may pick at number 25 because uh, for, for one, you know, this defense needs at minimum three safeties who are, you know, basically able to be starters on, uh, on any given Sunday. And, uh, you know, a- adding a guy like him would effectively do that and, you know, add Thomas and Ford as backups. And then you have an incredibly strong safety room. But I, I don't think Jenkins being added in kind of takes away from any draft plans. I think what he does is just kind of replaces Josh Jones's place on the team. Right. No, I definitely agree. And I really like Daniel Thomas, and I hope he gets I do too. snaps next season. But I agree that they kind of need another guy in that secondary, but especially at the safety position yeah. with no, I, how I, often one likes to use or throw more on the field. I, I do too, and – uh, I, I like Daniel Thomas a lot. I thought, you know, he did a, a lot of good things last year, you know, in, in kind of his limited time. All right. Uh, the next move, if if Malcolm Brown was the, the best move I thought they made, the second one probably would be this one. It was, uh, you know, signing Marvin Jones. Uh, Jones, only five players in the NFL have caught more, you know, touchdown passes than Jones in the last two years. You know, he caught 18 touchdowns in Bevel's offense. He signed a two-year contract with just $9 million guaranteed. You know, uh, among wide receivers, he's not even top 
35 in terms of cap hit this upcoming season. So they, I mean, just considering the deal that teams gave other receivers this cycle, like look at what the Patriots gave Nelson Aguilar. I think getting a guy like Jones who knows the scheme, who is a proven veteran leader for a young room and whose production hasn't really slowed down. I thought that was one of the best values of kind of free agency in general. 100%. I, I mean, he kind of fits the bill for everything, for versatility, for value, for just being a good player for the locker room experience. And I think one of the other best parts about the signing is that he's a perfect, like, in between, he's a perfect tweener, number three receiver, because he's someone that's good enough that you can feel confident about him being a consistent contributor. But at the same time, his signing probably won't or shouldn't stop the Jaguars from addressing the receiver position in the first one or two rounds in the draft. Yeah, and uh, here's my take for how I think he changed the draft plans. I actually think, you know, adding him kind of increased the chances of a guy like Rondell Moore because now they, now you know, they know they have uh, three, you know, quality starting receivers in him, Chanel, and DJ Chark. So now they can add a guy like Moore who is kind of, you know, a gadgety type player who's a guy who you kind of can plug into different spots in the offense and not have to worry about him being an every down slot receiver because, I mean, I, between Jones, Chark, and Chanel, they can figure that out amongst those three. Yeah. I mean, in terms of Ronda more specifically, I'm a little bit off him, I think might be one of my hotter draft takes just because I don't, I could see him not really being able to produce and being like a Tavon Austin type where he's an awesome athlete, but the football player isn't there enough. Sure. Not small. (laughs) Sure. Not small, but regardless, we'll see. And as we both agree, I think it wouldn't surprise either of us to see the Jaguars take a receiver high, even with the great signing of Marvin Jones. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's fair. And I mean, uh, I'm upset, to be honest, about that Tavon comparison. Tavon had a vertical of 32 inches. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here, man. I, it was a very broad comparison. I was, I'm was. i not saying he's my player comp or anything. He shouldn't be. I, I already said my player comp for comp. him was Kyler Murray, which is probably worse. But No, no, I, 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 I like that. Mine's, a, my, mine's probably a stronger Curtis Samuel. Because I, 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 I sm- stronger and shorter. I, I think he could play receiver. It's just you're always going to have issues with him being five seven. But I think he's so good with the ball in his hands, and he's so powerful for his size. It, it doesn't really matter. And hey, uh, Urban Meyer, you know, one of the winningest coaches in college football history, went on Fox Sports and agreed with me and not you. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> All right. All so right. With, with with that said, uh, I yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I thought Jones was one of the best signings they made, uh, you know, this offseason. And I thought, you know, a lot like the Brown uh, deal. I thought this was a move that you see smart teams make, you know. Uh, yeah, they could have thrown a lot of money at a guy like Galladay or they could have signed one of these other names like Will Fuller to a one year deal. But they probably got a more like a safer uh, kind of fit in Jones. But they also got a guy who's a proven veteran who knows the scheme. So I, I, I think he kind of checked every box. Definitely agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, n- next one. Uh, Chris Manhurts, uh, six year tied in from the Carolina Panthers. Actually, uh, you know, former basketball player who the Buffalo Bills kind of called in for a tryout. He ended up, you know, he, he's 6'6, 255, ended up sticking at tight end. 
and he's probably one of the better blocking tight ends in the NFL. Uh, don't expect him to be much of a threat as a pass catcher. I know Urban Myers will say that they'll expect some passing production out of that role, but he has 12 career receptions in his, you know, in 70 games played. So any any value he brings in that sense is purely hypothetical. But in terms of having a guy who can, you know, both serve as an extension of the offensive line in the running game and the passing game, this is probably as good of a blocker as you'll find in free agency. Right. I think the signing was a little underwhelming just because the Jaguars clearly still have a void of the position for a receiving threat. But if you're like, we're talking about what we think has been the best signings. And I think if you ask the Jags coaching staff, then I think Manhurts would probably be one of their favorites, probably just because Urban was borderline raving about him in this latest press conference. And it was clearly a guy that they were targeting. But I think that even if the receiving production doesn't really show up, he's going to have a significant role in the offense and play a significant amount of snaps. And so I think this is, I would say, probably the most underrated signing for the Jags. Yeah, no, I, I, I would probably agree with that. I mean, he's going to play a big role. I, I like him much more as a part of the run game because, you know, we see clips of him shutting down, like, you know, guys like Shaquille Barrett and, you know, like good defensive ends in pass protection. I think he's an excellent pass protector who's basically an offensive tackle, but I'd probably rather have just an extra receiver on the field as opposed to, you know, a a sixth offensive lineman, you know, in a lot of instances, but uh, I'm I'm with you. I don't think, you know, it's a bad deal by, by any means. And he he honestly is probably a good fit, but it it was kind of funny, the timing of it, you know, how the announcement came like 30 minutes or something like that after uh, Hunter Henry came off. (laughs) Right. After the, after the Patriots signed their second marquee tight end. I, I, I love Bill Belichick's tight end Frankenstein. I, I, I am excited to see it. Me too. I mean, that whole offense is going to be very interesting, but I'm looking forward to it too. Yeah, same. All right. Uh, next one. Uh, one. One of the more interesting signings, and I believe this was the first one that was announced. It was a six-year defensive end, Roy Robertson Harris. Uh, you know, he spent the first, uh, you know, five to six years of his career with the Chicago Bears, you know, a really talented kind of a tweener type defensive end. You know, he's 6'5", 298 with really long arms. You know, he, uh, Bears used them to rush from wide alignments. They also used them as a sub-package interior pass rusher uh, on rundowns. He played three, four defensive end. You know, and he, 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 you put on the, the tape and watch some of his impact plays and just from a pure athleticism standpoint, he's a freak of nature. And that there's really no other guy like him on the Jaguars roster and no other guy who can who has a potential to create that amount of pressure from all over the formation. So I, you, there's some projection here because he was never like an every down starter with the Bears, like on a consistent basis. And, you know, his pass rush production isn't anything amazing. But I do think betting on the talent that he has and the coaching he'll get that I think this is going to be a signing that they end up looking at as a good move. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it's, he might be the most unique player on the defensive line, just in terms of physical body and what it, that looks like. And so it'll be fun to see how Cohen kind of uses them as a chess piece potentially around the defensive line. And I think he was kind of similar to the Jenkins deal where they kind of try to address value and address a need and address versatility, but might've overpaid slightly for it. But like Jenkins, he's still a good player with potential to be even better. 
um, if he's coached up well. So I think it was a solid signing. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you there, hundred uh, percent. So I, I I think you know you look at him compared to the other defensive linemen they added, and you know one he's a guy who he's another versatile guy who can kind of play up and down the line, but he's he's the best pass rusher they added so far this offseason. So he he's an interesting guy, and uh, I it, it seems cliche because Clarence Campbell played for the Jaguars, but. I mean, Robinson Harris said that's who he models his game after, and you can kind of see it, you know, on tape. He's not as big as Calais, but just the way he plays and, you know, his length and speed at his size, it's it's kind of marveling to look at. The next Calais Campbell, as John so boldly predicted on the Jaguar Report podcast. He said it, not me. All right, <laughs> uh, next one, uh, Jod Ward, uh, you know, defensive end slash outside linebacker. Uh, from the Baltimore Ravens. He's the only guy the Jaguars added from the Ravens, which uh, kind of surprised me a bit. I thought they would add at least two guys in that Ravens defense. But he's a guy that Joe Colon knows well. You know, he had his best season of his career on the Colon in 2020. Uh, you know, he plays with good quickness. He's high energy. Uh, he had a <laughs> terrific press conference the other day. You know, I mean, he, he, I, I don't care what happens in their games, but he made me want to go run through a wall for him. You know, so, I mean, dude, uh, he, he definitely seems like an interesting signing, uh, another value signing, another guy who can kind of play up and down the line in this scheme. And uh, I, I think Meyer said that uh, Colin pounded the table for Ward more than he's ever seen a coach do for a player, which really uh, kind of caught my interest. Yeah, I agree with your um, thought that I'm not surprised that the Jaguars added someone from the Ravens, but I was a little surprised it was him just because I thought that um, Judon or Tyus Bowser or even McFernie would have made not necessarily more sense, but I would have seen that one coming. But I mean, I already kind of went over my take for him earlier, but I just think Ward might be their solution to the outside linebacker spot to kind of mix in the snaps with Chason and Allen and Giles Harris. And so because of his addition, they might not feel that they need to make another addition to that group before the start of the season, but we'll see. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I thought he was an interesting addition just because he's another guy who kind of has that versatility in terms of, you know, the, the different kind of schemes that he can play in. So uh, I, I, I thought, you know, all in all, the 12 guys they added, there's no deals here that really make me go like, geez, what were they doing? You know, like, yeah, I mean, there's a few guys that, you know, probably don't really make blips on the radar, like, Dorsett and uh, Carlos Hyde. But overall, I thought they brought in a few smart deals. You know, they probably may have uh, overpay on Jenkins, but if you can get good coaching out of him and, you know, really kind of develop his skill set, that's a deal that could, you know, end up working out. Uh, Griffin's a bit of a risky payday, but I like the value. And then overall, you know, they brought in guys that their staff knows. So I, I think if you look at it from the context of what they wanted to accomplish in free agency, I think it was probably a successful process for them. Though I don't think this is the type of free agency they need to always have. Like uh, eventually, you know, they, they need to swing for the fences. Right. And that, that's what I was saying earlier is that like they're kind of geared up to swing for the fences in the next couple of years when the salary cap is going to continue to increase. And so whether or not they should have swung for the fences now when they had kind of more power than they will in the future um, is a question that doesn't really have an answer and might not have an answer until five years from now. 
but I yeah. I agree that it was overall successful first wave of free agency, and they definitely fill their holes with in terms of not just player or roster holes, but the versatility and the fits and the value and all that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely with you, and uh, it it provides them with more flexibility going into the draft. You know, I mean now, uh, it other than pass catching tight end, you know, there's not really a position where you're like you know, holy crap, they need to spend – they don't have anybody you can start out there right now, you know. They can still find upgrades, obviously, because, you know, this is a roster that went 115 last year. Uh, they need more playmakers on both sides of the ball, but they 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 improved the team at the very least. Uh, you know, like I said, maybe didn't make the moves people thought, but when you look at it move by move, uh, it, it's hard to find many moves that – you know, it's, it's like the biggest deal with any of the moves is they sign some depth players – uh that they probably could have waited on then if that's the biggest issue then you're probably fine yeah i mean no glaring mistakes and so i mean obviously that's easier said now than in a few years but i mean if you're i mean we keep bringing up poor nelson aguilar but i mean there's no mistakes that are kind of recognizable now bring up trey hendrickson i i hate that contract (laughs) (laughs) i i i i I do not know what the Bengals are doing man yeah, especially since they let Carl Lawson oh, walk, who's objectively just, a better player. Just give that money to Carl Lawson. Like, like I, 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 I don't understand the process there. But nonetheless, uh, thank you guys, uh, as always. Wait, real quick, Gus, before we go, how many – I know your mock offseason wasn't a prediction, but just how, how many moves did they make that were similar to yours? Um, well, one of them, like I guess my boldest or most out of the picture – prediction was that they would trade for defensive tackle Fletcher Cox just because the Eagles seem like they're kind of could be going into a rebuild and if they end up doing that then they could be like do what the Jaguars did last year and kind of offload some veteran contracts to make sure they have cap space in the next couple years and so I kind of got the prediction right but just the name wrong I guess because they ended up going with Malcolm Brown from the Saints instead and so that plus Tyler Shatley um were I guess two of the biggest ones. I, I would have liked to see them. I guess I, I said John Johnson the third. Yeah, I think they were as their know. big secondary guy, and they ended up getting Shaquille Griffin. But yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, I mean, they paid a safety and a cornerback, like you said. It was just a different, you know, two different guys. Yeah, they did what I said. It was just completely different. <laughs> there we go. That's 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 <laughs> a great way. That's a great way to to grip. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you guys as always for uh, joining us. We will be back with the hottest of Jaguars draft takes very, very soon. Uh, you can find me at underscore John underscore Shipley. Uh, you can find us at si.com slash NFL slash Jaguars. Gus, go ahead and give me your at. At Gus underscore Logue on the Bird app. Yep, for the hottest of all takes. And if you want the hottest and most correct takes, you also have my at. So thank, thank you again.